I thought I'd just spend a few minutes uh, this morning as part of our service, just um, bringing you up to date um, with what the situation has been in Short's prison. Um, I can't remember if Cameron said in his introduction that um, I am the full-time chaplain in Shorts Prison, for any of you who don't know that. Um, and like most people in ministry, um, when the lockdown hit in March last year, uh, prison chaplains, including myself and my team, had to think very quickly um, and respond immediately to the crisis that faced us. Men who came along to church in the prison tell me that that is the highlight of their week. They really look forward to coming to church on a Sunday afternoon. They love meeting with the team of volunteers um, who come in and sharing fellowship with them at the end of the service, as well as taking part in the service and joining um, in the singing, etc. So to lose that overnight, like the rest of us out in, uh, in the community, was a huge blow to, to many of them. In the early days of the lockdown, the prisoners were locked in their cells for 23 hours per day, getting out only for 30 minutes of outside exercise and 30 minutes of recreation where they could use the phones or fill up their water bottles um, with fresh water, drinking water and so on. And only 16 of them were ever allowed out in their section at a time. And they were also open one at a time just to go down and get their meals and go back to their cells eh, and locked in their cells to eat them. The prison went on to a one-shift pattern of working, eh, which meant that the prison closed every night at five o'clock. So it meant that prisoners were locked up from around 4.30 eh, in the afternoon after they'd had their eh, evening meal until eight o'clock the following morning. Chaplains were the only people prepared um, at that time to see prisoners in a one-to-one -one setting. Like uh, all others, like psychologists or mental health workers, social workers, drugs workers and so on, um, were either working from home or said that they were not able, uh, given the circumstances, to do face-to-face -face meetings. While seeing prisoners one-to-one -to, -one, uh, to give support was difficult because they were locked in their cells most of the time, it became uh, and necessary that provision was made uh, because many of them, as you will appreciate, were really struggling with the isolation. Interestingly, things um, that had been discussed within the Scottish Prison Service for years, like virtual visits and the issue of mobile phones, um, and there were all sorts of reasons why that would not work and the security risks that they might present, all of a sudden they were being considered and very swiftly brought into use. Booths were set up in the visit halls where prisoners' uh, families could book virtual visits and mobile phones uh, were issued to every prisoner who wanted one. I know that may be controversial for some, but let me assure you they're the most basic um, phone and could only be used for making outgoing calls to certain numbers, no internet access, no texting or anything like that. And that uh, certainly eased things a bit and allowed men to make contact with their families from inside their own cell during the, the long evenings and nights when they were locked up. As things began to improve out in community and restrictions were being eased, so were the restrictions within the prison. But things like the gym and education and work sheds and church services were not allowed to take place. 
So although they were allowed out of their cell and into their section, there was very, very little for them to do. And boredom became a huge feature. Drugs became more widely used and many uh, men were what we would call out of your face um, on drugs, which makes the hall a very unpredictable place to be, um, both for staff and for other, um, other prisoners. Eventually, as the lockdown levels were changed, so too were the restrictions in the prison. Family visits restarted, albeit at a two-metre distance. Education got underway again with limited numbers and did some worksheds and the gym. We were allowed to hold services in as much the same way as we're doing out in community. Um, but because of the size of our space um, where we worship, we, our numbers were restricted to a maximum of eight men being allowed to come along, plus myself, the chaplain, and a member of staff. No volunteers uh, allowed in, no tea or coffee after the service, no singing. Uh, so a number of men have opted to stay away until things get back to some kind of normality. And as things begin to get back to that normality, drugs continue to be a much bigger issue than they were before. And I think uh, because so many people had become so addicted during the 18 months of the lockdown. And it is a fairly serious problem now, not just in Shorts Prison, but across the prison estate. And since in Shorts, since the 17th of April, we've had five people die in the prison, not from COVID, but from drug overdoses or drug-related um, deaths. It's tragic. Young men just dropping down dead. 28-year-old man dead. So while thankfully Shorts has remained, or at that point had remained COVID-free, um, the knock-on effect of the lockdown has taken its toll on the mental health of many men. And the use of drugs um, is having a devastating impact within the halls and beyond as families have to come to terms with the loss of their loved ones. I have to say, just by way of an update, that we have now got COVID cases in the prison and we have a couple of halls in isolation. Dealing with all the changes that had to be introduced very quickly was a real challenge and a steep learning curve for all staff and we in chaplaincy were caught up in that too. But the challenges presented us with huge opportunities. We were given access to the prisoner information channel on the in-cell TV system. And we were able to broadcast recorded services on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, the Roman Catholic service on a Friday morning and Muslim prayers also went out on a Tuesday afternoon. As well as our Sunday services, we put out a program on a Monday night in what would have been our prison fellowship slot. Initially, there was a bit of opposition um, by some prisoners who said that the TV channel should not be used in that way. But that didn't last long, and eventually we were having people speaking to us about the content of our uh, broadcasts and services, and in particular, some of the new Christian songs and bands that we were able to access from the internet. Now, I have no idea of how many men were listening on a Sunday afternoon. We have 550 men in Shorts Prison. I don't have a clue as to how many people 
were listening, but I know that there were lots more listening than who would ever deign to come up to church, uh, to be seen, in a sense, to be coming to church on a Sunday afternoon. It's been an incredible opportunity for the gospel. And while it has been and continues to be a huge amount of work, I was encouraged in the early days by two prisoners who told me how comforting and encouraging it was to switch on their TV on a Sunday and I was there in their cell sharing with them a familiar face, familiar voice. One prisoner who normally only interacted with me in a very negative way when talking about matters of faith spoke to me after a Sunday service and asked, he said this, can you see the song that you played on Sunday? Could you play that again? And I, I said, what song? He said, the song at the end of your service. Could you play that again sometime? And I, I, um, the song that I had played was The Lord Bless You and Keep You. You know, the one that came out with all the, the kind of montage of people um, singing. It was extremely moving. I, listen, I said to him, I said, did you only just listen to the song or did you listen to the whole service? And he said, no, I've been listening to all of the services. But that song on Sunday completely blew me away. He said, and I was reduced to tears when I heard that song sung to me. And he obviously heard, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine on you. And so I played it again for him the following week. As well as the changes to our services, I took it upon myself to issue a written chaplaincy chat every week uh, for the first uh, period of lockdown. And this went out to every prisoner um, every week for 28 weeks. This was a more kind of secular chat sheet with crosswords and word searches, just kind of activities for them to do in their cell. But I also issued another more spiritual one alongside that to the men who would normally come to church. So there were about 60 men who were receiving that. And this was hand-delivered each week to 550 cells. So it was a great workout for me um, as I tried to get round the whole of the prison um, in a, a lunch break while they were locked um, in their cells. I also ran a, a weekly quiz with prizes um, for each of our eight halls, and that too was very well received. We delivered um, a quarterly faith pack to about 60 prisoners, which contained Bible reading notes and a worship CD and an activity for them to do. So we were exceptionally busy um, during that initial lockdown period. But it did two things for us. It raised the profile of chaplaincy into the, in the prison to a level that we have never known before. And it helped men to see that we are normal people interested in normal things um, and interested in them as people. Uh, and we're not just there um, to uh, speak about Jesus and the Bible, but we're concerned about them as, as whole people. I doubt if there is a prisoner now in the jail who does not know who I am. Indeed, one prisoner who I went to see recently sat down in the room with me and said, I feel as though I'm in the presence of celebrity. And I was like, what? And he said, yeah, he said, I see you on my television screen all the time. He said, and now I'm sitting in this room beside you. It's amazing. And I'm thinking, oh dear. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I'm not sure what impact all this will have had once we're back to uh, normal um, services um, in terms of those who will come along to church. But 
since the turn of the year, we've had um, about 15 men who have asked to do an in-sales alpha course with us. Um, and I've lost count of the number of men who have asked to see me um, who want to speak about God and faith changing their lives. It's been incredible. So for us, it has been a big challenge, but an even bigger opportunity for sowing seeds. And I trust God for the harvest. And I ask that you will join me in praying for all those in prison who have heard the gospel, perhaps for the first time, and that they will respond in a positive way. And that God's name will be glorified. Thank you. Let me um, teach you. I, I wanted to sing this song, but understand that it's not known uh, to the folks here um, in uh, Bigger. Uh, this is a song that we sing quite regularly um, in the prison. It's called Broken Vessels. I think we have the words, but I'm going to lead it on my guitar. First reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Sorry, first reading is from Ezekiel, chapter 46, verse 9. When the people of the land came before the Lord at the appointed festivals, whoever enters by the north gate to worship is to go out by the south gate, and whoever enters by the south gate is to go out by the north gate. No one is to return through the gate by which they entered, but each is to go out by the opposite gate. And the second reading is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Jesus forgives and heals the paralysed man. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw the faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralysed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up took his mat and walked out in full view of, of them all. This amazed everyone 
And they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. Please speak to God. One of the great things um, about our service in the prison is that the way that the men join in the singing of hymns and that um, song that we just sung, Broken Vessels, is, as I said, one of their favourites. And even although the restrictions on public worship are slowly beginning to relax, there is a reluctance with the men in the prison to sing behind their mask. It's almost as though they have forgotten how to do it. But at least we have made a start in reclaiming this vital element of Christian worship. Basically, when Christians gather um, to worship God, there are three main ingredients that make up our service. There is praise and prayer and preaching. And while we've not been denied the freedom to pray or to listen to God's word being proclaimed, there is no doubt that the restriction on praising God with music and song have made many realise just how important this is when we come together. I was at a funeral um, a couple of weeks ago. One of my chaplaincy volunteers um, sadly passed away, not from COVID, but uh, from another illness. And I was moved to tears by the singing of Psalm 23 and in Christ alone as we sang them at the funeral. I felt like a different person when I left the church because it had been so long since I had engaged in such meaningful sung praise and worship. Yes, and even at a funeral, even the undertaker commented how good the singing was. And later that week, I was directed to this verse from um, Ezekiel by a friend of mine. It was this verse that we read earlier from Ezekiel 46 at verse 9. And it gives direction about worship in the temple. Let me read it to you again. It said, when the people come to worship the Lord at any festival, those who enter by the north gate are to leave by the south gate after they have worshipped. And those who enter by the south gate are to leave by the north gate. None may go out by the same way they entered, but must leave by the opposite gate. Now, you could be forgiven for thinking that these words are an instruction from the uh, church elders about proper procedure um, at worship services during a pandemic, um, but they're not. They are part of Ezekiel's vision for the restored temple. Originally, the words had a practical purpose. The instruction was to, uh, issued uh, to ensure an orderly flow of uh, worshippers through the limited area of the temple's outer court. as a safeguard against a people jam, in one way and out another. But surely the words have... Um, a deeper meaning than just that. Worship ought to create 
uh, the dynamic for progress. When we come before the Lord in public worship, some changes should occur in our hearts and minds, changes that will produce corresponding differences in our daily lives when we are away from the sanctuary and getting on with our day-to-day living in one way and out another. We can spell it out in three succinct statements. Firstly, worship gives a new direction to life. The story of the paralytic who was brought to Jesus on a stretcher by a committee of four concerned friends is a dramatic illustration of a changed direction. And I hope that the video helped you just, you know, capture that um, a bit. He came in through the roof and went out through the door. He arrived with his bed on his back and left, sorry, with his back on it his back on his bed, and left with his bed on his back. The whole thing and the whole thing hinged on Jesus' word to him. Your sins are forgiven. Stand up and walk. And this ought to happen to us every time we gather for worship It is possible to be pardoned by Jesus in such a way that the very act of knowing that we are forgiven brings about a major redirecting and reorientating of life. Worship should confirm that experience of forgiveness. We enter as sinners, but leave as forgiven sinners. In one way, we go out another Worship provides a new dynamic for life. The vision recorded by Ezekiel and the miracle written down by Mark have this in common. Both speak of activity, of hustle and bustle, of coming and going. This is what worship is all about, the vitality of God motivating his people into ever new avenues of service and witness. I remember reading um, a newspaper article about a watch factory in South Wales where the workers held a sit-in demanding more pay. 2,000 workers clocked in at 7.30am but did no work. Instead, they spent the whole day singing. It was lovely, said the boss, just like an estafod. But I would rather have heard the hum of the machines. And so would God. When we gather for worship, the singing is meant to lead us into action. The value of praise in a service is only truly Christian if we allow its inspiration to provide us with much needed dynamic and guidance for living. In one way, we go out by another. Worship adds a new dimension to life. The promise upon which any act of worship is based is that God is present in a particular way. Jesus himself said that a handful of people meeting in his name could know his real presence in a way that was unique. If we ever lose sight of that, then the whole experience 
is devoid of spiritual significance. No matter how hearty the singing or how accomplished the instrumentalists, the purpose of any service of worship is to celebrate the meeting point between heaven and earth. And that point is a person, Jesus Christ. It is as we put him first in our thinking and living that we begin to experience this new dimension for living. Worship is a declaration of what we put first in our lives. When we come to worship, we ought to leave as different people. Worship should keep us from going out the same way we came in. It should help us to go straight ahead. It should help us to walk that narrow path. William Temple, a former Archbishop of Canterbury, defined it so well when he wrote this. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. And if all that takes place this morning as we gather with other like-minded believers in this place of worship, then it will be because you came in one gate and went out another. If we are to praise the Lord week by week in the way that he desires, then our worship needs to be God-focused, Christ-centered, spirit-inspired, and word-based. It involves coming in one way and going out another. And if all this is true uh, for us out here in community, it is also true for the men I work with in the prison. When they come into the prison, they come in by a back door under tight security in handcuffs. But when they leave, they leave by the front door, the same door that everyone else uses. They come in one way and they go out another. But if nothing has happened during the time that they were in the prison, and they basically go out the same way as they came in, then what has been achieved? I ask you to join with me, especially for the men who come along to our service of worship week by week, that they may come in one way and go out another. Like the paralyzed man, they may come in through the roof, as it were, and meet with Jesus and have their lives changed and transformed and leave through the front door as forgiven sinners.
so that when the time comes for their release, they may not go out the same people that they were when they came in, but that they will go out as a new creation, made new by the grace of God through faith in Christ. Pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for that story that we've been thinking about this morning. Lord, those, that man who had that encounter with Jesus came in through the river, but walked out through the door, a changed man. Lord, may that be true for us each time we gather here in worship. As we lift our voices to you in song. That we may be changed people. That we may not go out of this building the same people we were when we came in. And Lord, we pray that too for the men, not just in Shaw's prison, but in every prison establishment in our country, that they may have a real encounter with Jesus Christ that would change and transform their lives, that they may come in one way and go out another. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, out of all that you have blessed us with, we bring our offerings to you this day. Lord, we pray that you will use this money to build up your kingdom in this place and beyond. Bless those who are tasked with the decisions of how our offerings are used and distributed. Grant them wisdom. Grant them vision. Lord, there are so many places in need of our financial and practical and prayerful support at this time. We pray for those caught up in the poverty trap at home here in the UK and further afield. Lord, when we have plenty of food and clothing in our cupboards, it's sometimes hard to believe that it's not true for everyone. But the reality is that there are far too many people who are hungry and undernourished. People having to make hard choices when it comes to deciding how to spend what income they have. We thank you for the many agencies and charities who are working in the front line of feeding the hungry and we pray that they will get the resources they need to meet the basic needs of those who they work among. We pray for the ministry of this church in this community as they reach out to those in need. Father, we pray that you will strengthen our resolve to do what we can to help and love our neighbour. And Lord, we continue to pray for the ongoing situation in Afghanistan. Lord, there are people living there in fear of their lives, frightened to come outside their homes, many living in hiding. Father, we pray that the new ruling forces will indeed have changed their ways Though in our hearts, Lord, if we're honest, we find that hard to believe. Lord, we pray that you will protect and empower 
the relatively small number of Christian believers in that country. We pray that somehow they may be able to reach out with your word, that word which has the power to change minds and thinking and change lives and communities. Lord, it seems easy for us to pray as we sit in our comfortable building, knowing that we can walk out of this church without fear that we're going to be arrested or worse, maybe shot. But Lord, prayer is the only thing that we can do to support our brothers at this time. And we pray for our brothers and sisters. We pray, Lord, that your hand of blessing and encouragement will be upon them. Father, we pray too for those suffering devastation in Haiti. Lord, the situation there seems to have slipped off our TV screens, overtaken by world events elsewhere. But Father, there are many people suffering in that country, people who have lost everything, including loved ones. Lord, we ask again that you will be with the agencies who are working to bring some relief in that place. And Father, we pray that you would move the hands of many to reach into their wallets or their bank accounts and give towards the rebuilding of that country. Lord, we bring before you the leaders in our own country, those, Lord, who must be so weary from dealing with this COVID virus. Guide them, Lord, in the decisions that they are still having to make on a daily basis. Grant them wisdom. Help them, Lord, to trust in you and not to rely on their own understanding. Lord, there are so many situations that need our prayers. And so in a moment of silence, we bring to you the things that we are most burdened about today. Lord, we bring all our prayers to you, those spoken and those said in the silence of our own hearts. Hear our prayers, O Lord, as you have promised you will. For we bring them to you in the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Can I say just before we uh, sing our closing hymn, it's been an absolute joy uh, for me to be with you this morning. I feel so encouraged. I feel as though I have come in one way and uh, definitely going out another. Um, just to be in this great church um, with fantastic acoustic and to be able to sing God's praise has been such, uh, such a personal blessing to me and I'm grateful for the invitation uh, to you to come and share with you. Let's close uh, as we sing together how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure.